0: Good morning everyone, welcome to Emmaus Church, I am not Nathan Oates, my name is Clay Rojas and for those of you that don't know me, I am a member of this church, however, I I kind of feel like a guest speaker today, um, but I shouldn't feel that way, so I said I'm not going to dress up real fancy, I'm just going to put on a t-shirt and jeans because how many of you know that when you're with family, you just want to relax, kick up your feet and uh, this is my family, so we're going to relax today, kick up our feet. And, uh, and we're going to have a nice talk. Um, but before we really get into the, uh, to the message, uh, I just really feel like this morning, uh, there's a few people out there that I know of personally, and maybe some of you who I don't know personally who are going through some things. How many of you guys know, I even heard this morning as I was talking to a couple of friends that we're all going through some things right now. And so uh, one of the things as I was getting ready this morning, I was praying, I was talking to the Lord, and I know that something that's always on my mind is is I always say to myself, and this is what I used to say to myself, how many times are we willing to come to church and listen to a message and listen to the music and put some change in the bucket and leave here the exact same way that we came in? And at some point in our lives we have to get tired of that in order for change to happen. And so this morning I really feel like there's a word for many of you here And I really want to tell you, for those of you who who I know personally, and some of you who I don't know, is don't give up. Don't quit. Whatever it is you're going through, whether it's a financial burden, whether it's your health, whether it's your family, sons, daughters, do not give up. Don't quit. This is the reason why we're here today, to encourage each other. Don't give up, whatever your situation is. Um, There's a guy I follow, his name's Eric Thomas, and he talks about lions and gazelles, And he says, when the gazelles wake up in the morning, the gazelles will, will, you know, herd around, they'll eat, and they will only run if the lion's chasing them. But when the lion wakes up in the morning, the lion wakes up and he needs no motivation to make him run. Because when the lion wakes up in the morning, he says, or she says, I have to hunt today because if I don't hunt today, I won't eat, my kids won't eat, my family won't eat. And so you can fill in the blank with whatever you're going through today and say to yourself, if I don't get up today and fight, if I don't get up today and hunt, you fill in the blank. Is it a son that you're fighting for? Is it a daughter? Is it a marriage? You fill in the blank. If I don't get up today, this is going to happen. If I don't fight today, if I don't hunt today. And so I want to encourage you to understand that whatever struggle you're going through today, it's not just about you. There is someone on the other side of your obedience. There is someone on the other side of this fight that you're in. I remember when I was in prison and things got bad and things got scary and I was unsure, I would pull out, I carried a picture of my family and I would pull out that picture and I would look at it and I would say, I have to fight today. I have to fight today. I have to survive and I think sometimes We get so caught up in about about us, what I'm going through. We get so caught up in that that we forget that there's someone on the other side of your fight. There's someone on the other side of your obedience. And so today, as we go into the message, this this is not the message, by the way. This is just something that I believe God wants to say to many of you out there. Don't forget why you're fighting. Don't forget why you're here. This is Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk about Palm Sunday today and what it means for us. But I don't want you guys to, to... Treat this as a church as just an event. It's, it's, it's something that has to change everything or it changes nothing at all. I hope that that reached some of you out there today. And maybe one day I'll come back and, and do a, a great motivational speech or something. But I really felt that some of you are ready to quit. And I've been there, trust me. I've been there don't give up, keep fighting, keep hunting, put something in your pocket, whatever it is you need to pull out and look at when you feel like quitting, and look at it, and remind yourself that this isn't just church. This is, Church is not a building, and remind yourself why it is that you're fighting today. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get into the message. We're going to start with a video.
1: founded in part to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war — that's not what happened in Srebrenica. On July 11, 1995, the U.N. peacekeepers deployed to protect the town stood by and watched as Bosnian-Serb troops slaughtered as many as 8,000 Muslim men and boys the worst tragedy Europe had witnessed since the Holocaust. The U.N. has since apologized for failing to do its job, but 20 years later, were the blue helmets any better equipped to prevent another massacre? A recent internal report suggests otherwise. It found between 2010 and 2013, peacekeepers responded to just one in five cases where civilians came under attack. Now, historically, U.N. peacekeepers have served more like referees — deployed to a conflict zone to maintain the peace rather than enforce it. The organization points to fairly successful operations in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Burundi as proof the strategy can work, but other missions have produced mixed results. U.N.'s handling of Somalia in the mid-'90s was described by one U.N. official as the greatest failure of the U.N. in our lifetime. The U.N. has also admitted failure in Sudan and Rwanda. Which is why it took a different approach in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where a bloody conflict had left millions dead. In 2013, the U.N. Security Council ditched its policy of peacekeepers acting only in self-defense instead launching what it called a Force Intervention Brigade aimed at disarming the rebels. But the peacekeepers were repeatedly accused of inaction as the rebels continued to terrorize the locals. Add to that reports of peacekeepers paying children for sex and selling weapons to militias, and it's hard to classify the peacekeeping experiment as anything but a failure. Today, as tens of thousands of people die in armed conflicts around the globe, the UN is under more pressure than ever to act but at the UN Security Council, in action. Russia recently vetoed a resolution that would have labeled the Srebrenica massacre a genocide. For Newsy, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn.
0: All right, we're going to talk about peacekeepers today, but before we do that, uh, I want you to look to your left and look on the floor, and if there's a basket there, please pass it to your right. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We'll be Uh, reading out of the book of Matthew today, and one of our ushers will be more than happy to bring you a Bible. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I recruited some people to help me, remind me of that, okay, and they're laughing at me right now because they were trying to get my attention the whole time when I first came out here, but I was so excited, and, and I wasn't even looking at them, but I'm sure all of them were like, baskets and Bibles, sorry girls. All right. So today we're talking about peacekeepers and peacemakers. As you saw from the video, um, it may change your view of what you thought about when you heard the word peacekeeper. That's for those of you who weren't in the military. For those of you that were in the military, uh, you know, for those of us who were in the military, when you hear the word UN peacekeeper, it doesn't really make me feel safe, but. For those of you who don't have the military background, when you hear the word peacekeeper or UN peacekeeper or just peacekeeper, um, it's probably a word that should make you feel like, oh, okay, well, there's peacekeepers here. Uh, Everything's going to be all right. And we saw from the video that uh, the United Nations has admittedly said, you know, they've admitted that the peacekeeping mission is, is a complete failure. And so I use that video as an example to bring to mind what we think about when we, when we hear the word peacekeeping. Um, and so I wanted to illustrate for you guys what peacekeeping actually looks like. And I wanted to start on a global scale and then bring it down to really what it looks like at home. So on a global scale, we kind of saw there, right, what, what is peacekeeping? What does peacekeeping look like? And if we, uh, if we look at the statistics when it comes to peacekeeping, uh, they're not great. They're not great. Uh, in Rwanda, tens of thousands of people were being slaughtered uh, during a, a genocide while peacekeepers watched. Now, it's not all their fault, but then if you, if you look at uh, the politics behind it, we're not gonna get into that, but the, the point is, is that on a global scale the UN has sent peacekeepers out and for the most part, you look at places like Serbia, Rwanda, the peacekeeping mission just didn't work. It didn't work and many people lost their lives. um, As you saw from the video, many atrocities, uh, many things happened to people as peacekeepers did nothing more than look on and protect themselves. Uh, Let's bring it a little closer to home in church, Uh, a peacekeeper in our church, which could be any of us, uh, will not speak to another person during the passing of the peace who they may or may not have a problem with. Maybe that person rubbed you the wrong way before. Maybe you guys have an ongoing conflict. Uh, And so during the passing of the peace, you will not go to that person because instead of wanting to pass the peace, you will keep the peace. And so, once again, you look at peacekeeping in that context, and peacekeeping is about, once again, maintaining your own little bubble and not rocking the boat. And saying to yourself, I'm not going to go talk to that person. I'm not going to resolve the issue. I'm not going to pass the peace. I'm going to keep my peace. I'm going to keep the peace. So, once again, peacekeeping doesn't really resolve anything there, does it? Um, what does it look like closer to home? Let's, 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 what does that look like in a marriage? A peacekeeper in a marriage, a peacekeeping spouse will let the other spouse offend them or disrespect them continually, uh, verbally or physically abuse them, and they will not say a word until the resentment inside them builds up to the point where the relationship breaks. They will not resolve the issue because they want to keep the peace. Peace. And so we see marriages break up because there's a lack of communication and there's too much peacekeeping going on. And we'd rather, instead of stepping out of our comfort zone and our, our, our maintaining our own area of safety, we will uh, let our spouse say and do things that we know they shouldn't be saying and doing, but we will not go out and make peace with them. We will keep the peace uh, because we don't want to argue and fight. And instead of making peace, Uh, resentment will just build, build, and build until one day it just explodes and there's a divorce. So those are three examples of from a global scale to our church community to life at home of what peacekeeping looks like. But what does that look like in the Bible? What is peacekeeping in the Bible? So we're going to go to Matthew uh, 5-9 and see what the Bible says about peacekeeping Now, Matthew chapter 5, it's the Beatitudes. Jesus is here talking to a whole bunch of people. And in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a difference there, isn't there? He didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers, did he? So we really need to analyze who we are today. Are we peacemakers or are we peacekeepers? And you can take any of the three examples I gave and apply them to any area of your life and really begin to do a self-analysis right now as we continue through this uh, message and and start asking yourself, look at different areas, Look look at your jobs, look at the places you serve, look at your home. And begin to ask yourself, which one am I? Am I a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? Let's see how Jesus did it. Jesus has been called the prince of what? The prince of peace, right? But let's understand this. Jesus came here to make peace. Okay. Jesus did not come here to peace keep. Jesus did not come here to make peace. He came, or to bring peace, he came to make peace. He didn't necessarily come here to make us feel good, although his presence always does. He came to make peace and to bring a sword. In Matthew 10:34 through36, uh, that, that passage describes Jesus as telling the disciples that he came not to bring peace to the world, but a sword, not a literal one. Jesus' sword was never a, little, a literal one. In fact, When Peter took up a sword to defend Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened? Jesus rebuked him and told him to put away his sword, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So why did Jesus say, do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth? I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What kind of sword did Jesus come to bring? And so I share that, that passage with you to say this, is that Jesus came to make peace, but he came to make peace specifically between God and man. Jesus came to make peace between God and man, which is what we do when we make peace with our brothers and sisters. Does that make sense to everybody? When you make peace in a relationship, you are making peace with God. Because how many know that when you make peace in a relationship, it's not just about that other person. There's something that happens inside of you. My, my ministry right now, we work in a, in a place with, uh, that has a bunch of kids in a camp that have incarcerated parents. And there's a point in the curriculum where we get to the curriculum and they actually have to write a letter to their parents. And many of the kids will say, I'm not ready to write this letter. Uh, you know, I hate my dad, I hate my mom. Uh, why did they leave me? Why did they do this? Why are they in prison? And, when we get to the part about making peace, when we get to the part where I tell them that forgiveness and making peace is not about the other person. There's something, I tell the kids, there's something that's gonna happen inside of you when you drop that, that envelope in the mailbox. There's something that's leaving with that letter. And, and many of you have heard this, that when you forgive someone, you set the prisoner free and, and you realize that the prisoner was you. There's something ugly and bitter and resentful that happens inside of us when we decide to be peacekeepers in relationships and not peacemakers. And if there's darkness and ugliness and sin, how many know that, that God's presence is not there? There's no peace with God. There cannot be peace with God if there's darkness and ugliness and sin inside of me because I'm not willing to step out of my area of safety to make peace with my brother. And so when we make peace with our brothers and sisters, with our wives, our husbands, whoever it may be in your life today, you are essentially making peace with God. And so Jesus says, I didn't come to to be a peacekeeper. That's not why I came. He's telling his disciples, he's telling people this, you guys got it all wrong. I came to make peace between God and man. And unfortunately, in that process of making peace, it doesn't always look peaceful, does it? How many people have seen the movie Passion of the Christ? It doesn't look very peaceful, does it? But in that process, Jesus was making peace. He was making peace. I know people who watched that movie who had to stop watching the movie. I know people who watched that movie and walked out of the theaters or said, I can't keep watching this because it was the depiction of the passion was so brutal that they couldn't watch it anymore. And it, it looked nothing like peace. But that's exactly what, what it was. Jesus was making peace. So, Palm Sunday. How many of you are brave enough to raise your hand and say, I really don't know what Palm Sunday is? I didn't. a long time luckily I I grew up Catholic so I ended up finding out later what it was because good Catholics know what Palm Sunday is but most of us don't so 2,000 years ago today you know talking with Nate earlier we get to experience during this this passion week in real time what Jesus did 2,000 years ago we get to experience this with him we don't just get to read about it We don't just get to watch a movie about it. There's all these Jesus movies coming out, which are great. But today, we get to actually relive Palm Sunday with Jesus. And so Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he's coming with one purpose and one mission. He's coming to make peace. And his disciples think that he's coming to liberate Jerusalem from the oppression of the Romans. And we're just... Jesus is going to come and he's going to wave a magic wand and all the Roman centurions are going to die. And they'll be victorious and and, and then there will be peace. But Jesus says no. See, in order to make peace, Jesus had to die a horrific death and it looked nothing like peace. It looked making peace for Jesus, in his mind, looked nothing like what what the disciples imagined or the rest of the Jews for that matter. They imagined something else. They imagined something completely different. Something so different that they said, Crucify him. This is not our king. This is not our peace keeper. Who is this Jesus? But when Jesus was on the cross, making peace, making peace, he had the chance to keep his peace in the garden, remember? When he prayed, blood dripping from his forehead. Asking God, please, don't make me do this. But if I have to do this, I will. And so as Jesus hung on that cross, there was two things on his mind. His love for God and you. And when I say you, I mean you. I don't mean humanity. I mean Nathan was on his mind. Steve was on his mind. Dan, you were on his mind when he hung on the cross. It's really, we can forget the significance of what happened on the cross when we we globalize it and say, well, yeah, Jesus died for us all. No, Jesus died for you, Mark. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. His love for God and his love for you was on his mind as he made peace that day. And as he breathed his last breath, He said, it is what? It is finished. He came to make peace. And so Nathan has been talking about, uh, you know, this this, uh, sermon series about asking the real questions. Right? We're not asking the real questions when we hit these speed bumps in life. And so the real question today, I believe, is who do you love because there was no question that Jesus loved God and he loved you as he hung on that cross and so as relationships break all around us as the church matches the world in divorce rates we're no different from the world now guys as things fall apart in our families As things fall apart at our jobs. As things fall apart as things will do. Instead of asking why, instead of asking uh, uh, all these other frivolous questions, I think the real question today is, who do you love? Are you willing to step out of your area of safety? Are you willing to step out of your role as a peacekeeper? And if you ask yourself that real question, who do I love? then then the answer is really simple. You should be brave enough and courageous enough to step out and make peace because you love God. Because you love God. Stop looking at the other person. It's not about them. Like Like I said at the beginning, there is someone on the other side of your obedience, and today I feel like there's so many people who God has been telling you step out stop being a peacemaker go and make peace it's gonna look ugly it's gonna get ugly as Jesus carried his cross up to the mountain it was ugly and as you carry your cross it's gonna get ugly it's not gonna look pretty it's not gonna feel good but I guarantee you that if you ask yourself the question and the answer is yes I love God Then, as you step out of your peacekeeping role, as you step out of that peacekeeping role, he will be with you. There should be no question in your mind. And here's the promise, you guys. Here's the promise that if you are a peacemaker, you will be called sons of God and daughters. That's the promise. Broken relationships. Jesus came to fix the relationship between God and man. He came to make peace in a broken relationship. God said, I will redeem my people back to myself, and in the process, I will give my one and only son. Today, he rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to make peace between you, between me, and God. And so, as we wrap things up, I just want to invite everyone to just analyze yourself right now. Fix your eyes on the real question, not on the person. And the real question today is, who do I love? Who do I love? And so as we close, I want to invite those of you who would say to yourself, who would be brave enough to be a peacemaker today and look at the relationships around you. And if you would like our community, our family, to pray with you, if you would like me to pray with you, I would just invite you to be brave enough to step out of your peacekeeping role and just stand right to your feet right now and say, there's a broken relationship in my life. I wanna fix it, I wanna fix it, amen, amen. If you're thinking twice about standing up right now, then you need to be standing up. Because Jesus came to make peace, and as we make peace, we will be called sons and daughters of God. There can be no peace in a broken relationship. I'll tell you right now, there's broken relationships in my life. And this message came out because the message was for me first. And so as our family is standing around us, stepping out of that peacekeeping role, support them, be with them. Look at your own life. There's areas in your life right now where you must say, i got to stop being a peacekeeper. I have to stop because there's this vicious cycle going on in our communities right now of just broken relationships and divorces and all kinds of ugliness because we want to stand by and be peacekeepers. Because we want to stand by like those guys in Rwanda and watch thousands be slaughtered. So how long will we stand by as our relationships continue to break? So I thank you for the courage for those of you who are standing right now. And for those of you who are not, please pray with us. Just bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you today. And if there is someone next to you that you know or even if you don't know, please uh, stand with them and support them. Pray with them if there's someone next to you. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray for every person standing in this room today. Every person who has said, I want to make peace. I want to be called a son or a daughter of God today. And remind them, Lord Jesus, that the brokenness in their life can only be fixed by making peace. And so I pray for each and every person as they stand that you would fill them with boldness, that you would fill them with courage, that they will not be dissuaded from making peace, but that they would know that as they make peace, that they are pulling you into their circle. They are pulling you into their life. And I pray that you would give them power and that your spirit would rain down on them and that as they step out, every relationship in their life would begin to heal, knowing that there is someone else on the other side of their obedience. Lord Jesus, bless these peacemakers today. Reward their courage for standing bold and saying, I will be a peacemaker. I will stop watching my relationships break. And so, give them a boldness and a courage, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Well, we're gonna take a few minutes now to uh, stand up and to pass peace to one another. If you are standing in response to the message